So I'm starting a new series today, and we're heading towards something. We've been working on something since the summertime, and we're heading towards a specific day, and I'm going to give you the date of that day. But we've been, we've been working on something and talking about and really emphasizing the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And I want to read in Matthew 22, Matthew 22 and verse 36, Teacher, which is the great commandment, they ask him. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, everything hangs on these two commandments. They're commandments. They're not options. They're commands. Everything in the Old Testament hangs on this. That we learn to understand how to love God and then how to love our neighbor. But notice he said, the way you love your neighbor and the way you love God is loving yourself. And I'm telling you today, the only way that you can love yourself is to know how much God loved you and how much he loves you today. You'll never love yourself unless you know how much he loves you. So I'm telling you today, you know, you might think, well, you know, I love the Lord God with all my heart, mind, and soul. Well, I don't, I don't even know how to do that. I don't even know if that's, I, I, I don't, I mean, it's attainable because he said it is. But the, the, only, the only way that I know how to love God is to relax, let the cares of the world roll off of me like the scriptures talked about today and realize how much He loves me, then I'm able to love Him with it. Man, I mean, somebody that loves you in spite of yourself, why would you not love Him? Somebody that loves you and and gave everything, the best of heaven, in spite of who you are, most people don't think they can't understand God because why would God do for them when they've done so wrong? Most people can't accept that. They can't receive it. So the Great Commission or the great commandment, which is found here, goes, it, it, it goes, it connects with the great commandment. Uh, I mean, the great commandment connects with the great commission, which is found in Matthew 28. And verse, starting with verse 16. And then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed to them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing or immersing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. There's a lot about the great commission here there's there's so much more than just making a disciple part of the great commission is knowing that God is with you always even to the ends of the earth no matter what and no matter what goes on we live in a day and a time on planet earth that I don't know how people exist that don't know that God is with them to the end that we're not, we're, not, we're not acknowledging the fact that God is in control of a mess like planet earth. God put the sons of men in charge. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but He gave authority to the sons of men. And the mess on planet earth is not because of God. The mess on planet earth is because God, people don't know God and operate in the authority that He gave them. And the commission was to live in a place of authority and make disciples. Not make disciples of ourselves, but make disciples of Him. Teach people to understand who He was, and then who He is, and who He will be, but who He is today. I've got to know who He is today in my life, so I can help other people understand that. And that's what cleans the mess up on planet Earth. No government, no individual... No person being elected to office. None of those kind of things. And I didn't say stop doing that. I just said that's not the answer. 
The answer is people's lives being discipled. And when you and I are discipled, and we believe in who we are, when we know who we are in Christ, Christ in me is the hope of humanity. Christ in you is the hope of humanity. And the more we understand that, and the more we implement that on a daily basis, the more we're fulfilling what He told us to fulfill when He left here. This great commandment and great commission are the things that are dearest to His heart. And so, we've been on this for a while, and for the rest of this month and next month, we're going to, from different directions, we're going to focus on this and how important it is because it's what He left us to do when He left planet Earth. And I I, I don't want to be found when He returns. I don't want to be found messing around with all kinds of other things that He didn't want me doing. He wants everybody connected to the great commandment and the great commission. Amen? So, the title of my message today and for the rest of this month is Lost. The title of my message is Lost. Sounds like a series. Um, and so, what I'm going to do today is <clears throat> I'm going to read out of Luke chapter 15. And we're going to, in, in, over the next, today and the next three weeks after that, three Sundays after that, we're going to look at these three lost stories in Luke 15. And... Um, We've talked about these at different times. Maybe you've heard this preached before. Um, but I believe I'm coming at it from a little bit different direction, at least from what I've ever preached it and ministered it. And um, a lot of my reading in, in this chapter is going to be out of the Message Bible because I like the way it's worded. <clears throat> and... Um, These stories are, are, are interesting, and I, and I want to start in this, this first story, in the first verse of Luke 15. And, the, and again, this is out of the Message Bible, so you should have the message. We're going to have the message up there? Yes. <clears throat> so, by this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled. I wonder what a person does when they growl. He's saying things and they're going. They growled and, and, and sang, He takes in sinners and he eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. Isn't that interesting the way that's worded? So here, this is Jesus giving an account and then using a parable here. And so the wording here in the message says, their grumbling created this story that I'm going to give you right now. They're grumbling and they're complaining. Now, now what were they complaining about? I, I want you to notice this. What were they, what were these people complaining about? Um, he takes sinners in and he eats meals with them. Okay? So, I think one of the first things that we have to do is we have to define in our mind and our thinking what a sinner is. Because I think that the church, at least in the past, I don't believe it's the way it is today. Everybody say, I believe the church has changed. Okay? But but in in, in the past, I saw some things. I've been saved for a number of years, and and I've seen some things through the years. And I I think that um, 
a lot of the church spent a lot of time alienating certain groups of people. Okay, you could say they alienated sinners, yet the church is supposed to want people to get born a second time, to get born again. But I think there were times when the church alienated certain types of people for a number of different reasons. Well, their grumbling, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, the people of the day, their grumbling was about the fact that he was entertaining relationships with people that were not like them. I believe that we're living in a time where if you and I are not radical about our walk with God, we're going to be consumed, number one, by each other, and number two, by the system out there. We will be consumed if we're not radical about who we are and what we believe and the way we take our radical personalities and, and demonstrate them to other people. See, some people might think that radical is defined as being belligerent, in your face, preaching to everybody that comes along, you know, having an attitude towards non-born-again people, you need to get saved kind of thing, always hammering people and judging them for their lifestyles. No, 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 I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. Radical in Jesus' day was, number one, He radically loved people and He radically had compassion for people. Radical. He was radical about it. That's why they were grumbling. They grumbled. Well, what the heck's He doing? How can He have somebody like that come and sit in His presence? And notice, where Jesus... Where Jesus main directness and ugliness was, was to that thing that was in those people. See, he was after that, that religious, you know, attitude that wanted to judge anybody. You know, the, the Bible says that spiritual people, their judgment is in a form of helping people to grow up and get delivered and set free. Real spiritual people. We're living in a time, I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to tell you this right now. You're either going to be afraid of what's going on on planet earth, or you're going to fear God. And we're going to be a people that are after the lost. And these three groups of people, there are three groups of lost people out there that are found out there, in here, and all over the world. Three groups of lost people. Every time we think of lost, we think of a non-saved person. It's not what he's talking about right here. He's talking about all kinds of groups of people. And how that, that heaven, heaven rejoices when one person comes to the saving knowledge, when one person comes to themselves, when one person who strayed because of tired of going through the motions of, of walking with God and those kind of things, that they, they come to this place where this walk with God becomes a reality. Just all of a sudden, it becomes real to them. I had a guy that years ago when, when we were first part of the church here and uh, had a guy early on come into the church and, and uh, he just had a horrific background. And I mean, you, you'd, we'd have to sit down and talk for two hours to explain what this guy went through from his, from his birth to the point that he was at when he came into our church. And uh, so he just started coming. Like people need to do, they just need to come. And they, and they need to come into an environment where people are not about themselves, but where they love God, and they love God, and they love their neighbor, and their, their heart is to make disciples. They need to be in that kind of an environment where people will accept them in spite of themselves. And that was this guy. And he came into the church, and he was in the church for two or three or four years. 
but he just constantly struggled and he constantly struggled and he constantly didn't get it and he constantly couldn't believe. And, and what he couldn't believe is that God loved him so much in spite of all of his crap. He just couldn't believe it. And one, one night, about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call. And this is what he said. I got it. <laughs> I'll never forget that phone call. I got it. He said, I got it. Four or five years in. What if it was eight or ten years in? There's no time period. A day's a thousand years to God. He's not on the clock. That's why we have to learn to be people that are part of the journey, not of just little bitty bits and pieces of something. Well, you know, I was faithful for six months. You darling thing. Jesus was faithful to the end for all of us. He's the example. Amen? we got to be a part of the journey, and the journey is about lost people. And you know who is included in that? You, at one time or another. It's about the lost. So, in... So, so let's just keep reading. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and you lost one. So that means that, means that this lost one was part of the hundred, right? He was part of the fold. Wouldn't you leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? That, at, he's asking a question here. When found... You can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call your friends and neighbors saying, Celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. So, I want to define a sinner, okay? There's a lot of people that use that word real flippantly. You know, people say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I won't say that. Number one, I'm not old. Number two, I'm not an old sinner. I was a sinner, and now I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm a child of the living God. You understand? But to sin in life as a born-again Christian, sin is disobedience to the known will of God. So when a person disobeys something that they know is right, the Bible calls it sin. Does that person need to be... Does that Christian person who walks in disobedience at different times need to be booted out of the fold? No. Based on this first scripture, they need to be rescued. So every time that a person willfully is walking in disobedience to the will of God, they're sinning. So you just have to call it what it is. Okay? But my confession over my life, according to Romans chapter 4, is sin shall not have dominion over me. Right? That's my confession every day. Sin will not have dominion over me. Disobedience to God's will and His way will not have first place in my life. I will do the will of God and walk that way every day. I've been saying that for years. I'll continue to say that for the rest of my life. Do I have acts of disobedience? Ask my wife. Does Jesus forgive me? Do I use that a license as a license to disobey? Well, he'll, he'll forgive me. You know, I, I've heard people say that they think people do that, but you have to be really stupid to do that. 
why would you want to live always playing cleanup? Why would you always want to live playing catch-up? No, no. We're, 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 thank God for the grace and the mercy of God that every time there's a mistake made, we're already forgiven. Thank God for it. But, but more than that, I thank God for the empowerment to live my life the way Jesus would do every day. I, I have the mind of Christ. I have the Spirit of God. I have the ability to be not just, not just have the mind of Christ, but walk in Christ-likeness just how He would walk. He's empowered me to do that. You know what I'm doing? I'm practicing that every day. I'm not practicing it expecting to mess up or screw up every day, but I'm developing that know-how to where I find myself in a difficult situation or where there's a choice to make. Man, I want to make the right choice every single time. And He's empowered us to do that. Someone that is lost is struggling with that revelation. Somebody that was part of the fold, they stray. You know, a lost sheep isn't just like, he's not just in the fold and he's going, where is that guy? I'm going to take off. No, he just kind of strays. He just strays and the fold goes this way and he goes this way and he just kind of, you know. There's more joy in heaven when one who is straying in their mind comes to themselves than for the, all the 99 that don't need rescued. Now listen to me. Someone says, well, so I'm not important? See, you, you're going to stray if you keep that attitude. <laughs> See, the deal is, all 99 others can be busy looking for one. And when all 99 are just living them lives, not judging people, not, don't, don't try to be something to someone else like, the, like you see somebody else doing. Well, I heard pastor say he did this. Don't, do, don't copy that. Just be yourself. Just let the God inside of you dictate the future of how you touch and connect to people, how you love other people, and how you lay your life down for other people, and how, how you help to, to disciple other people. How do you disciple a person? If you're, if you're waiting tables at Cracker Barrel, and you come in contact with a person, and just so happens that, you know, have you ever been somewhere, and all of a sudden somebody start crying? And you're going, thinking, why are they crying? You know, we might be, you might be where you work, or you might be where someone else works, and somebody just may be, have a horrible day, and, and they start crying, and then you begin to ask them questions, are you okay? And then in their response, they tell you something about their life, and then you share with them something that will help them. That's discipleship. See, the, we're not talking about you setting up, you know, weekly meetings and structuring everything and doing everything. No, just be yourself. There's lost people. There's people in the church that are lost in their thinking and they need your help. One of the deal about all of our connect groups, and I mean, we've had stellar signups for connect groups and they're going to be, they're, they're great. We're excited this year. One of the things about connect groups is that very thing. You connect with people and help disciple and you disciple each other. You may think that you're in the group to help disciple other people and someone else may disciple you. See, because discipleship is in a moment. It's not a class. You can have classes that produce that, but discipleship is in the moment where you're helping someone in their thinking change. This person in this story about the lost sheep, they strayed. Where did they stray? In their thinking. And when you stray in your thinking and you get off, you get weird. See, what stirred the story or the example with Jesus is the grumbling of the religious people. And see, listen, these religious people, they were evangelists. Oh man, I'm telling you, don't, don't think that these Pharisees and Sadducees weren't evangelists. Man, they were ev big time evangelists and they recruited people to their fold. 
But their fold was a selfish fold. It was about who they were and trying to build something themselves. So when, when they saw Jesus building something where He wasn't threatened by anyone else, oh man, oh my gosh. And so they looked for every reason why what He was doing was wrong. There's only one reason what He did was right, and it's because it was the will of the Father. That's it. And you and I, it's the same way. We have to know that, we have to know that this is the heartbeat of the Father. It's the heartbeat of God. People are the heartbeat of God. There's more rejoicing in heaven when one person who strays in their thinking comes back to the fold. Why? It is hell out there. It's dangerous out there. And there's all kinds of different groups of people that want to prey on people and take them out. That's what ISIS does. That's what different types of terrorist groups do. In, in, in our country here. They're, they're, they say there's all kinds of people that are getting to be a part of ISIS. I, I, I read you this statistic Sunday. 60, the low, this is on the low end, 60,000 people a day are getting born again around the world. 60,000 people a day. You think that the enemy's keeping, you know, how many of you in your mind are thinking, nah, I don't know about that. Why? Because what you hear and even what in the church that a lot of people in the church promote is how many people are, are turning to, to the Muslim faith. The focus is on the negative. Well, the, you know, by 2020, you know, there's going to be this many Muslims in the United States. What about all the Christians? And if we just sit around afraid and, and worried and fretful over what everybody else is doing out here, and, and we're, we're like this, instead of we're on, on, the, on the offensive end and moving forward and helping and getting rid of the crap in our own life so that we can disciple other people. Listen, it could be the whole nation of America by 2020 be born again. Why not? You know what it depends on? What you're doing with one person. And if we get that right... If we get that right, there's no end. Listen, all the churches, all the church buildings in America right now could be filled up, filled up. All of them that are built right now could be filled up and that'd be 40% of the population, maybe. Maybe not even that. There's no end. We've got to be a motivated people and we've got to stay motivated. And we've got to help motivate other people. But the motivation has to be from the heart of the Father, not just some evangelistic kind of hype. Hype doesn't work. I can tell you. I've been hyped. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the heart of the Father great commission, great commandment down in our hearts gets our eyes off ourselves and over on what the, His purpose and plan is in the earth. Because all God's concerned about on planet earth. One thing, what is it? The stock market. Only thing God's concerned about is people. Bar none. Nothing else. He didn't care about anything else. And if God doesn't care about anything else but people, that's where I want my heart. He didn't care about anything else, not anything else but people. Now, he, so he's concerned about the outcome of people. He's concerned about the development of people. He's concerned about how people connect with him and hear his voice and do all those kind of things. But all he's concerned about is people. All of heaven, all their focus is not on the United States of America or this country or that country. All of heaven's focus is on people. And he gave us a story here. That heaven is rejoicing when you help to turn one person back to the fold of God. That's what I see. Verse 8. Or imagine, we're still in the message. Or imagine a woman 
who has ten coins and loses one. The Amplified says that one of those coins is a day's wage. Okay? So, let's say you make $150 a day. Let's just say you make $150 a day and you've lost it. You ever been somewhere and it's like you know you had a 20 in your pocket and you lost it? Oh my gosh, where'd that go? My land's at 20. Fabian, did you see that? I mean, you know, I mean, you, you start looking, but n- n- this guy lost his day's wage. This is Jesus. Everybody say it's Jesus. See, when Jesus is talking, it's like E.F. Hutton. We should be listening when he's talking because he's making a point here. So he's using another example. Imagine a woman who lost her whole day's wage. Now here's a question. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her friends and neighbors. Um... One time I was coming back from somewhere, I was at the airport, and uh, Lee Dunning was picking me up. And he picks me up, and, and at the time, at the time, on my, on my what, well, I guess on this finger, I wore this really, really nice diamond ring, gold diamond ring that some people had given me. Really, really nice and expensive diamond ring. Had... 12 stones, 12 diamond stones all the way around the middle of it. Right, 12, Beck? Yeah, 12 stones, and, and it, was, it was crafted for me. And size of my finger and the whole thing. So I get off the plane, I go in the bathroom, I'm washing my hands, and I'd taken the ring off and set it on the counter, and I'm washing my hands. I take off. Ring's still there. Very, very expensive ring. I go through checkout, get in the car. We're headed down the highway. I feel for my ring. It's not there. I said, Lee, my ring is gone. And I don't remember the, how the whole story transpired, but right there we prayed and agreed that what was lost would be found. I didn't go back to the airport. We didn't go back to the airport, dude. We prayed and agreed. I got on the phone. I called. Called security at the airport. And the lady goes, well, sir, I, I, you know, I, I, I want to I agree with you. I said, you don't need to agree with me. When you find my ring, call this number. Well, sir, things like that just don't get found. I said something, she said, is, is, it's, it's not like from a Cracker Jack box, right? And I said, no, no, it's very expensive. <laughs> Sir, we just don't find things like that. I said, when you find it, you call me. Didn't hear from her the rest of the day. Next morning, Sir, she was so excited. Sir, that, that ring. <laughs> we found it. I know. I was just waiting for your call. And I mean, I treated it just like that. And I talked about it just like that. See, I had faith for that. So see, this woman, isn't she going to tell other people about it? Am I telling you about it some eight or ten years later? Yeah. You're going to go tell and you're going to rejoice and talk about the greatness of God and what's happened here. Right? And he said, Jesus says here, He'd tell his friend, celebrate with me. Celebrate with me over the the finding of my ring. Can everybody celebrate? Everybody say, yay and amen. You know why? Because if it'll work like that, well, it was just coincidence and the person... No. Coincidence. The woman told me they don't find things like that. We found it. Why? Because I didn't take a thought that said, you're never going to find that ring, say, I brought that thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and I declared whatever is lost will be brought to the light. 
Well, Pastor, but that's a ring. He's talking about a coin. He's talking about 150 smackaroos. Hmm? Greenbacks. Things that matter to people. Right? That's what he's talking about right here. Watch the end of this. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. I can't tell you what finding that ring did for my faith. You say, well, you know, you're... You're a pastor and you just said that it would return in it. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. But it has everything to do with stepping out and practicing the principles of God in a situation. Does God know that we struggle with those kind of things? Well, that happened for him, but you know, it's I've never seen it happen for me. Yeah, because your words and your verbalizing what has happened in the past, and yet old things are passed away and everything is brand new right now, and God wants you to see not just a gold ring or $150 cash lost. He wants you to see that the lost out there in their thinking and the lost, those who are blinded by the enemy to not know how great that God is, He wants those lost found, and when one is found, you you think about you and one person. Now, if you have a piece of paper or you have a phone or you write down dates, okay, with whatever, take out whatever it is that you're going to write this date down. Piece of paper and a pen and write down this date to remember. If you put it in your phone, you got an iPad, you got whatever, you got paper, pen, write this date down. October the 25th, here at Gates, is going to be Friends Day. And that day, you're going to invite someone and then go get them and make sure they show up to church. In 27 years of pastoring this church, we've never had a Friends Day. (laughs) And so we're, we're practicing and developing being friendly and then inviting our friends. See, because my challenge to you about out there is just being open to whatever God says on a day-to-day basis. Like the song that was being sung. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in here every morning for my whole day. What do you want me to do with my day? How can I do those kind of things? So on October the 25th, It's Friends Day at Gates of the City. And everybody's going to at least bring one person. (laughs) Some people may leave the church over having to bring one person, but you know what. Everybody can bring at least one. Bring however many you want. But bring one person. Because on that day will be the culmination of what we've talked about. And I've got something that's very special in relation to people and connections that I'll share that day. But right now, what we're talking about is people that are lost up here and blinded in their eyes. These two stories. In this third story, um, Starting in verse 11, I'm just going to read a few verses of the third story, and then we'll pick up this next week. Then he said, still in the Message Bible, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. Notice. Notice here. There once was a man. Every translation calls this man a man and not a father who had two sons. And the younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. 
It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything that he had. This next group kind of relates to me, somebody that's part of the fold. And they get a little bit of revelation in their life, but they still think more highly of themselves than they should. They still have attitude, and when it comes time for there to be real connection, it's time to leave. His younger son, at that point, tells his dad he wants all this stuff, and that dad... gave the son something that was out to destroy him. And there are lots of people like that. In the mid-90s, before Tim Duncan came to the San Antonio Spurs, the Spurs were making a run for the championship. And man, they had a stellar team. But what stood in their way were the Houston Rockets. And... uh, they acquired Dennis Rodman, and Dennis Rodman had two rings, NBA champion, with the Detroit Pistons. And they acquired Dennis Rodman because of his rebounding ability, and that's what they needed, somebody on the inside that could stop people from driving and could get rebounds and put shots offensively back up. About the only points that Dennis Rodman ever scored were right under the basket offensively, and he just put them right back up. And I'm telling you, the guy was amazing. Towards the end of the season and towards time for playoffs, Dennis Rodman started, I mean, I don't know Dennis Rodman, and I wasn't there to talk to him about it, but this is the way it looked. Dennis Rodman started reflecting on his two rings that he had, and, you know, uh, this team needs me, and he started complaining, and then there'd be times when he didn't get what he wanted on the court, and this is before Greg Pop- Popovich. Popovich would have shot him. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, so when he didn't get what he wanted, he just walked off the court, sat over on the end, pulled his shirt off, sat on the end of the bench, and, and whined like a little baby. And uh, I kind of see this younger son as one of those. Well, I, I know better, and I, I want it my way, and I don't give a crud about this and that, and... What Dennis Rodman didn't realize is, is that he had, he had a part. And next week we're going to talk about all the different parts that cause the church and the house. The house in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, is the church, according to uh, 1 Timothy 3.15. And the church is his body, according to Ephesians 1 and Colossians 3. The church is his body. The house is the church, which is His body, the fullness that fills all of us and all the parts together, the way we function and work together. Dennis Rodman was a part of the San Antonio Spurs, using this as a parable. And what he did is he overestimated himself and underestimated how good that their team was if he would play his part. Long story short, in the playoffs... In the semifinals, they lost to the Houston Rockets 4-2. I remember. I didn't look that up on the internet this morning. I remember. They lost 4-2. It was a shock. They were a better team. They should have won. And the problem was the squeaky wheel. Dennis Rodman has never done anything productive in his life since if I was going to judge his life, and I'm not. But from all outward appearance, he's never really done anything since then. Never connected with really any other team. He played here and there and nothing happened. He was in the perfect place, but because he was so about himself and he was so blinded by the enemy, he was lost. He was a lost person in his mind in regards to the Spurs. Many people in the church become lost in their mind and their thinking. And as a result of being lost, they never fulfill and accomplish the things that God created them to accomplish because we're a part of something that's bigger than we are. 
If I'm a hand, what can the hand do without the rest of the body? Huh? You can jump around for a while. People can leave. I'm not just talking about leaving this church. I'm just talking about the churches in general. My heart is about how in, in, around the world that, that the church in the past was beginning to wane. I'm saying the church is arising. It's the force to be reckoned with on planet Earth right now. Remember what I just said? Okay, so maybe Gallup's wrong. 60, low end, 60,000 people a day are getting born again. Come on, shout amen somebody. People are getting born again on planet Earth. We're the difference, and we're making the difference, but God, Jesus, Jesus, remember, if Jesus said it, listen, I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. See, it's not about me building. If I wanted, you never hear me call this congregation my church. This body, I'm a part of this church. I've been set in a place. Not because I'm more spiritual, because I know more, or any of those, uh, all, all those kind of things. I've been set in a place because God said. The, the man that set me in this place, sitting right back there, Bruce Allen. He came under the direction of God and said, on the 15th of July, 1989, I was the under-shepherd of this body. And I'm, I'm in this, I've been set in a place. But Jesus is building His church, and if we're not actively involved in what He's building... It all falls out. But I'm telling you, people are getting this. And we've got to play our part day to day in not being lost ourselves so that we can help the literal lost people that have never been born again and then the people that are straying in their thinking and the people that are straying in their attitude. Well, I don't need this. Well, you know, I'm making a lot of money now and now. Well, I'm doing really good now and now. See? Dennis Rodman said, well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm doing really good here, and I'll just transfer to another team. Never did squat. Nothing. Why? Because he left the connection that was right. And you know what? I heard, I, heard, I heard this with my own ears, and Dennis Rodman said this. I know some people that know the people that Dennis Rodman lived in in Oklahoma when he went to college, and Dennis Rodman got born again when he was in college with the family that he lived with. And how many know who Dennis Rodman is? Okay. He got born again. And, uh, you know, did Dennis Rodman, does it appear that he kind of strayed a little bit in his thinking? It appears that he did. You don't know him personally, so I won't judge him. I'm just using him as an example. Thank you, Dennis, for the example. Um, but I'm using him as an example. And he, 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 he strayed. And, and in his straying, there came a point when I heard him say, God brought me to this team. I heard him say it. <laughs> God brought me to this team? Why would you leave the team? Because you overestimated yourself and underestimated your connection. Eleven years ago, eleven years ago, and I'm done with this for today. Come back next week if you're interested. <laughs> I'm interested. Eleven years ago, um, I, Robert Cameron, who will be here, actually. Bruce Allen introduced me to Robert Cameron years ago. And Robert first came to the church that I pastored. I think it was 1989 or 1990. And uh, in, 19, in, in the year 2000, Robert called me and says, um, there's this guy that's come from Australia that's taken over the church here. And he said, He's starting a network and you need to come. Well, I'd been networked out. And I didn't really want to go join another network. So, I don't know, a few months later... He calls me, he says, you really need to come and join this network. Nah. So, the next year, I get this phone call 
from somebody that I was on his board and some things happened in his life and things didn't go well and, and uh, had to help this person. He was a ministry person and had to help him and he wanted to go for help to Virginia Beach to Steve Kelly because he knew Steve Kelly in Virginia Beach. Uh, that's the guy Robert was talking about. And uh, so I said, okay, I didn't know that that's where Robert was and I didn't know that Steve Kelly was the pastor of the church that Robert had been telling me about. And so I call... I, I was part of the board of this man that had some issues and we had to help him work it out. So I was one of the, I was the board member in charge of helping him out. So I call this man in Virginia Beach. And we start talking and I said, do you know this man? And he said, yeah. And so he wants to come out there and we work the whole thing out. And, and, uh, and I said, I asked him on the phone, I said, you don't know a guy named Robert Cameron, do you? <laughs> he goes, yeah, he's on staff in my church. <laughs> and... And long story short, in 2000-something, we went to the first WAVE conference, this Virginia Beach Christian Life Conference or whatever it was then. And we went to that first conference 11 years ago. <clears throat> and, um, and we've never been the same because of our connection. Our connection did something for us. It added to what we already had, and it, and it, and it created and establish some things that were missing. And along the way in those 11 years, I've had thoughts come to my mind, eh, you know, and, and I, I wouldn't say it like this, but I've had these thoughts that I've had to cast down. I kind of got what I needed from here, and I don't really need this anymore. I've had those thoughts. Now, Jesus said, take no thought saying, so, this is the first time I've said it, because I don't have those thoughts anymore. But you don't get what you need from somebody, or something, or some organization, and then leave them because you think you got it down now. What we underestimate is what we need from one another. We need things from one another. Our connection and our connect groups are so vitally important. We need things from each other so that we can get free of things that are hindering us and binding us so we're not one of the straying people. We're not one of the people that think more highly of ourselves than we should think, like that we, that we can do things on our own and it not, uh, you know, and, and, and what we have inside of us, we can just keep suppressed and we'll just make things happen ourselves. That's a lie. God's in the delivering business. Amen? Yes. Whom the sun sets free is free. Yes. And I don't know about you, but all I want is liberation and freedom. <laughs> From any and everything so I can help see other people liberated and free. It's the most exciting time for the church right now. I'm telling you. But out there, with no God and no connection, it's not, a, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Because there's all kinds of opportunities to be connected to everything. Now, don't misunderstand when I say this. You can get connected to a soccer group. And the soccer group can become church. Can become body. Did I say soccer groups are wrong? No, I didn't say that. I'm just saying, you can get connected to that and not think you need this. Or whatever else it is. Just make sure you have this so... Those who are planted in the house, Psalm 92, those who are planted in the house will flourish where? In everything else they do. When you're planted in the house, which is the church, which is His body. And we're all parts of that body. So it's not just being connected to any place. It's being connected to the place where God has set you in. Amen? Glory to God. Father, we thank You for this 